Hi, friends. It's Aislinn. And Joe. Welcome to season three at our dinner table. And nothing is off limits at our nope. dinner table. So settle in, mm. grab your favorite beverage. And pull up a chair. Because we have a lot to talk about. What's starting this next week is my household barters. Yeah, you talked about that on here. Yeah, it's like an investment-based delivery program where there's families and local restaurants that have paid ahead of time for two baskets a month to be dropped off to them for nine months. One of the things that I have offered in those baskets are eggs, and a lot of people want the eggs. That's one of the choices that people like. So that's where most of my eggs are going right now. I've got chicken chores in the morning and the evening. Well, yeah, there's a lot of chores. and a lot of chores. And they're going to pile up too. But you know what, though? I think that we also have to give ourselves a pat on the back because we're learning a lot of stuff. Oh. And we're learning it very fast. And Because we have the baby chicks, they're about three, four weeks old now, in the coop, I have to check their water and their food every night yeah. and morning. Yeah. So in the morning, I'm refilling their food, making sure they have clean water. And I take the chicken bowl, which is our scraps from the kitchen, out to the chickens. Right. Even the newer adults have begun to recognize me as food man. Oh, yeah, yeah. Food figure. Oh, yeah, yeah. Run up to you right when the door the, opens. They're very excited. hmm And what that means is that when I go out there without food, they still have the same reaction. Yep. So I went tonight to do my chicken chores, and all of the hens were up roosting for the night. Mm-hmm. And I did my baby chicken stuff. But when I showed up, oh, he must have put something out there. So they started going out the door. Mm -hmm. So then I leave and I go to the back porch and I notice that the chickens are milling around, Uh but it's way too late for them to be out. Uh So I went around the corner and the door had gone down while they went out to investigate the nothing that I had done. That's funny. Early to bed, early to rise makes Mm -hmm. a chicken healthy, wealthy, and wise. Kate Moss goes to bed early every night. I think she gets chased around the whole time. I went out there one time in the morning and the door opened. And then I hear them <laughs> flying off of the roost onto the floor uh-huh. and then out the door. Uh-huh. And I thought, oh, that must be everybody. And then I heard. <laughs> oh, yeah, and she's usually the last one. Well, no, that she wasn't her. Uh-huh. And then a good minute went by and. <laughs> and then Kate Moss goes <laughs> out the door <laughs> and starts running past Nimrod. Our rooster. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Nimrod starts running after her. He loves her. I think she's his favorite. She evaded him. So he went over to one of the black silkies and grabbed her by the tail feathers and had his way with her. Really? Yeah. Farm TV. It's what it is. Welcome to the dinner table. You got here just You're in so time for the chicken part. sex. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I got my beard trimmed today. Yep. You got all cleaned up, shaved up. She said, just a trim. I said, no, I'm going to go short. She said, oh, you want to like see your jaw shape? I said, yeah, we're going to go short because I can always grow back. So I stood up. I lean into the mirror. I'm trying to brush my face off because all those teeny tiny little, you know, hairs are getting all in my shirt and on my clothes. And I look at my beard real good just to see if it's all shaped right. And I look and have you ever seen? What? Is it gray? I've got gray hairs in my beard. Have you never noticed them? Yeah. I mean, I guess I did notice. That's your your beard. I've never noticed those gray hairs. I, sh- I think it's always been that way it, since I've known you. It took me off guard. It's funny. I No, it hasn't been that way since you've known me. But Yeah. Was, no, I'm pretty sure it has because it was just a part uh, of your yeah, beard. Yeah, color me unaware. <laughs> well... <laughs> Yes, that is the, that is what I'm coloring you these days, unaware. <laughs> I would say that I would have recognized gray in my beard prior to now. Yeah, well. 
One year ago today. Time warp. Time warp. What are we doing here? What are we doing here? Do you know how we're in a curry challenge? No. What do you mean, no? We're still doing a curry challenge? Yes. What's the next thing? Goat curry. When's that going to happen? Next week. That's why I don't know, because it's hard to tell. One year ago today, we were in a pizza crust challenge. Oh. So one year ago today, we found our favorite one, the Fathead Pizza Dough. So you can go back one year ago and hear us make that for the very first time. I want pizza. 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 We went over a list of things that make your pee smell, because that's just how we roll at the dinner table. Asparagus. And then pineapple makes it smell good. (laughs) You took your first pass at making salts. Yeah, coming up with ways to preserve our produce, herbs, all that is ongoing and has just progressed a lot. I mean, like a poblano salt, poblano basil. I mean, just whatever I have, I just throw together interesting mixtures of things and it's a good way to use those. But I came across another kind of similar concept for using your herbs. So you infuse olive oil with your fresh herbs. Right. And I made some of that for this long lunch club thing we did. It's finding ways to use all of these fresh herbs that I have because the way I grow, there's a lot of fresh herbs in that are a part of it because of the companion planting, because of the seasonality of things. There's a ridiculous amount of basil, all different varieties. So we've got to find different ways to use it. One year later, I use your poultry salt. Poultry salt is like a bouillon, basically. It's thyme and sage right. and onion and garlic and stuff like that. But you also use the pasture-raised chicken from Turkey Hollow. I make chicken stock with the leftover bones. Right. So I take that and I turn that into salt with some of my fresh herbs. So that's one of the ones we do. Then we make a pizza salt. We also make a dill salt. I keep the pizza salt and that poultry salt around the kitchen all of the time. And that is my salt for a recipe. Unless it just makes total no sense to do that. So I'm just turning everything that I pull out of the garden into something. And then one more thing, the episode this time last year, episode 2.10, was we recorded it the day after the election. So here we are. It's one year since the election right now. And I got to tell you, I have, I want to say, 95% just eliminated reading, clicking, trying to change not only my social media algorithms, my own personal algorithm to make that less of a time suck, energy suck. All of that, all of it. Yeah. And I've learned that there's always going to be some crisis where media platforms require us to take sides and argue to keep us engaged in their social media. Yeah. The thing about it is, is that with or without the social media in terms of getting access to information... I live out here in the middle of nowhere, and I know that the local high school had a basic citywide lockdown because of a gun threat in the school. We know what's going on. We know the weather, the things that are going on with the weather. That was what the news was about, was we need to know what's going on. We know what's going on. The rest of all of that stuff, it's just garbage. It's just lies. I can't even do it anymore. This particular subject, and I don't want to get deep into it, but the media side of things, that is my education. That's my profession. That's Mm -hmm. my background. That's what I come from. And running into just over and over and over again situations where it's like lazy, unfunded, inefficient 
whatever the reason is, when you're not salacious headline oriented, yeah, when you when you haven't gotten even remotely factual information, but you're still sharing it as if you're telling people the truth or telling them news. And that's what's going on all over the place. And when it comes to the politics side of it, if you haven't figured out that that's all a game and none of it is benefiting you, then I don't know where you've been. That it's a media politics cycle designed to keep you angry and keep you reading and keep you angry and keep you reading because when you read, you make them money. I don't believe that many people don't know that. They know it. They just don't know how to control not being triggered by it. They don't know how to turn it off. They don't know how to stop the habit. But they know. They know that they're being sold a lie now. Everyone knows. People that are living in that as if it's not, as if they don't realize what's going on are on very, very far ends of the bell curve. Unless it's an inverse bell curve now because there are more and more people on those opposite sides. Those, yeah, I can, the far fringes. I can promise you that's not what's happening. Either way, I don't care. Yeah, you do. We wouldn't be talking about it if you didn't. Well, no, we're talking about how I don't care. We wouldn't be talking about it if you didn't care. Like, this is the thing. I got involved in a little thing today. And I had to say out loud, well, clearly I still care more about this particular subject than I wish I did. Mm -hmm. Because if I didn't, I wouldn't be here discussing it with you. It bothers you. You care. Otherwise, you wouldn't bring it up. Okay, one year after the election, I still care a little bit. <laughs> this recording comes after the um, when the pressure valve starts to go off on the Instant Pot. Uh-huh. That's how I feel right yeah. now. Because anytime you do any kind of event that you've worked yourself up to, even if it's like a project at your work, got a project. You've been working on it for three weeks. This is the culmination of the project. You all know how it works. As and now, soon and now as it is the project over. is over with, right. you are, yes, you have, you, you realize that you have a lot more work to do, but you have this pressure release. But we finished up the long lunch club today. This event, this type of event is coming together so nicely People are walking away raving about exactly the types of things we want to be raved about. I wasn't, like, here, I wasn't here today, but I saw some great pictures posted by a few of your guests. Gorgeous, gorgeous pictures. Words like, this is the experience I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. Someone actually made the comment that like the idea of being able to sit down at a table in a family-style setting with a full table and share food just that alone is like something we're craving. She's like, I kind of had a moment the other day at the house where I was just like, ah, I want to sit at the dinner table. I want us all to sit down at the dinner table and talk and have food together. So mm-hmm. we're going to clean the table off and we're going to sit down at the table. I'm craving this, this experience. I'm craving the passing the bread plate, <laughs> you know, like things we used to do. I think the pandemic didn't necessarily, it wasn't like, Everybody was eating because we were talking about this stuff before the pandemic happened. Sure. But the pandemic shifted everyone so much that people are recognizing things that they actually miss, that they that they were missing before the pandemic, way before the pandemic. We like to sit down at the table together and we like to share food. And some people don't, and that's fine. But 
the people that do want to are looking for and are seeking these opportunities are feeling relieved to have them. And then after you get done with your meal, we all take a nice walk around the farm and look at the animals and talk about the garden. So you walk off your lunch before you head back to your day's worth of stuff. And I love the way the term, I went and had a long lunch at Freedom Harvest Farms sounds. It's the long lunch club because it's saying that this is your opportunity to live your life even in the middle of your work day, in the middle of a work week, take time for yourself, do it, take those minutes. And people are asking questions about the food because that's, you know, hugely a part of it. If I'm involved, every piece of food you eat has a story to be told. I need to explain to you why and how, and this is the way they eat radishes in France with bread and experiences that we're having at the table. Oh my God, I've never liked radishes before, but this is delicious. Well, not only that, but in that bite that you just took, I grew this part, that part, this part, that part. I had to get exactly. this at the store because I couldn't grow yeah. this. It's not time for that. Someone asked, now you didn't churn this butter, did you? And I was like, <laughs> no, no. We buy no. our butter at the store. I just, now. right, exactly. Now I just mix the herbs in. And that's the thing. So this month's long lunch club was fresh fall herbs. Okay. And it was focused on herbs. But the great thing about when you pick a seasonal vegetable like herbs, I can intermingle all the other seasonal vegetables into the different dishes as long as I make sure there's some interesting fall fresh herbs that have come out of there. Because if you think about it, and I said this today in the midst of the conversation, had I sold the event as the radish event, people would have been like, um, I don't like radishes, but I could work the radishes in to the herb heavy dishes and the herb fresh dishes and herbs are fun and people like herbs because herbs are like basil and oregano and serrano. No, that's a pepper. <laughs> so we serve four courses. The first course is always just like a tasting smorgasbord, little bites of all the different things that we've been trying for preserving our food. So like squash relish. And then we're making this other thing recently. It's a fermented pepper sauce where she ferments the peppers. She blends them with some garlic and some onion and some cilantro and whatever, and it makes a pepper sauce. So we're pouring that over chev. So someone at the table who's having their first experience with a lot of this kind of stuff says, what's chev? Oh, chev is a soft goat cheese, kind of like cream cheese, but it's something we can get local from our local farmer down in the Rio Grande Valley. And poured on top of that is this pepper sauce that we made. Oh my God, it's so good. You dip a cracker in there? What do you do? Yes. You know, we had the little station set up where they can get all the different things. We've got the olives and we've got a fermented squash and we've got, this was another fun fun one. Fiddle, what do you call the in, things that are in oh, the fern? Oh. fern? Fiddle. Spiral fiddles. <laughs> this is, my Fid mom had to repeat it like 12 Fiddleheads. Fiddlehead yeah. ferns. The fiddlehead, the very end of the fern. And you get those fresh. It's a forage food, and it's you pickle like a them. Snail shell. Yeah, and it's a thing that we would always get when we went to Maine because we have family from Maine, and so we would travel to Maine before the pandemic and things changed. And also, our family has passed away up there, so we don't have that connection necessarily anymore. But we would always bring those down from over there. 
And we wanted everyone to get to try that. And that was a fun conversation because then we get to talk about places and people that we all, everybody at the table, family that lives in different parts of the world and eats different things. Right. And the, the food that you get yes. when you go visit grandma in Illinois, yes. whatever. Yes. So it's this really, really nice. That is fun experience. I had told you guys that we had done the test kitchen version of three of these dishes. You didn't give the menu away last week. Okay. Well, I'm giving it now. The quinoa tabbouleh, which we used quinoa because I knew for sure that two people at the table were going to be gluten-free. I'm one of the people included in that. This is a taste testing event. So why not? I'm going to give you gluten-free bread and I'm going to give you gluten-free tabbouleh. And that's a part of the experience and the conversation. And why do some people choose gluten-free and da, la, 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 right? And the first night I made it, it just wasn't great. And I knew it because I've had good tabbouleh before. The parsley was way too blended up. The cucumber I had used wasn't the cucumber type or style it had called for. The recipe calls for an English cucumber. And I actually was growing and have. I'm off my vines in the backyard growing English cucumbers. And I was saving them up purposely for this event to use. But you had to scrape the seeds off of the original when I made it the first time of kind of like a basic, big, fat, juicy cucumber. Tomato, same thing. Cut your tomato up. You need to scoop that juice and the seeds and all the stuff off the tomato inside there. Then I did a few things differently. I also went ahead and added up some tiny little chopped up radishes because we started looking. Yeah, we started looking at the recipes for tabbouleh. Like anything else, you can change the recipes up a little bit. I also used purple onions because that's what I have instead of green onions, which is what the recipe had originally called for. I used a little bit of balsamic vinegar in addition to the lemon and the really good olive oil that I used. And then when I served it, I didn't just serve up a glop of green and red. I placed it on a bed of hearty greens, all different beautiful color, different flavored greens, which were part of the conversation. Literally, somebody lifted up a leaf and said, what is this? It is really delicious. I said, it's a roselle leaf. And they're like, this is a tasty green. Mm-hmm. I was so proud of my plating. I can't wait for you to show off the pictures. The photos looked fantastic. Yeah. So it's on this bed of these greens, right? And then you've got the spoonful of salad there in the center. And then I had one of the pretty little pink radishes just for a pop of color. And then two or three of the delicious pickled okra that my mom makes. And my mom makes fantastic pickled okra. Beautiful edible flowers. The plate was gorgeous. Then we rolled into a delicious, savory winter squash soup. So we had made that in the test kitchen Mm -hmm. and we really liked that one. That one had turned out of the three that we tried at test night, that one we were like, okay, that one's good. We can stick with that one. But what that original thing came from was my mom had received from some friends that are gardeners, a huge Puerto Rican winter squash that was still green. So just about this time, it's now nice and orange like a pumpkin. Okay. It was enough squash for us to cut it in half, make one recipe for test night, make one recipe for the actual event, and to make a completely different recipe of the fermented squash that we had for some of the tasting stuff we had done. So we made... It was a monster squash. It was a ginormous squash. The soup was excellent. Again, the only difference of this time from the first time was that I used some of my own celery from the garden, which the celery grown here is exponentially better flavor than what you're getting out of the grocery store. I mean, just... Preach it. There is billion to one potency of flavor in your celery. And it was notable enough to speak about at the lunch table. And that's the thing that I think 
this is what's happening in these Like the celery is so flavorful and beautiful. Right. And so the soup is savory and delicious. That was great. But the king of success and shift from test night to service at the table, beautiful plating, the whole thing was the ice cream that we made. And we're getting in the habit of making ice cream, different styles of ice cream, different, trying different things out. But we made a, a lemon basil ice cream. It and was phenomenal. It was really, really good, right? And that recipe was And you're was right. Ours. It was one of the biggest shifts from test night to today. Yeah. Because tonight when I got home, we had a little dinner and we had ice cream for dessert, the leftovers. Yes, because I wanted to make sure you guys had a chance to taste it. The first night we ate it, mm. I made it with the recipe that we had found online. And what we liked about the recipe that we found online was the cooking techniques, mostly. So the recipe calls for five egg yolks, two cups of milk, one cup of heavy cream, and then three quarters cup of sugar. Now, this is where the basil and the lemon comes in. The original recipe calls for one and a half cups packed basil leaves. I think somewhere in the test kitchen night where I was kind of not exactly involved in making the ice cream, but a little bit involved. And then I was involved in another project while that was going on, blah, blah, blah. Somehow I think that I put two cups of basil in the ice cream. So, So it's got the one and a half cups of packed basil leaves and then one teaspoon of lemon zest. And we get to the table to do the test tasting of this ice cream. And everybody's kind of eating it. And everyone has already made it a comment about how green it is. Then someone makes a comment about licorice. And then at that point, everybody's like, can't even eat this stuff anymore. <laughs> but no one would say, no, we can't, you can't serve this like this. And everyone was like, well, it wasn't bad. But I was like, yes, but I'm trying to encourage people to use not these Not bad herbs. is not the yeah. review that I'm looking for. No, I, I want, want people to, be to exceptional. go, yes, this is so good. At the minimal, even if they don't run out and make basil lemon ice cream, the next time they're at a place, they're willing to try something like lemon basil ice cream just to have a new flavor or to see how theirs compares to ours or Yeah, test night, your dad said, this tastes like licorice. Yeah. And at that point, it triggered in my head that he was 100% correct and that I don't like licorice and I can no longer continue with this ruse that this is what you should serve at a ticket event. So then we start talking about it. Because now you got a table full of people all like trying to solve this problem. But there was this like moment of, okay, wait, let's, okay, let's, let's talk honestly. Okay, let's have an honest conversation, right? And, and okay. it was, okay, why, you got a half the basil and double the lemon. You know, that those kinds right. of things being thrown around. So when it came together that, when I was making it, when it came together, I ended up putting at least a tablespoon of lemon zest. Mm-hmm. And that made a massive difference. It tasted so good. The lemon flavor of it. Because in the first ep- recipe version, you couldn't taste the lemon, in my opinion, at no, all. Uh-uh. All you taught tasted was, was overpowered, licorice. yeah, by the basil. <laughs> and then I cut it all the way down to a half a cup. Half a cup of basil. Perfect amount. Plenty basil flavor. Hint of basil, right. More lemon. And it was exactly what I was looking for. And it was fun because yet another conversation of the food w- was asked. What type of basil did it make? A, do you think it made a difference from the first time you made it to the second time you made it in terms of the varieties of basil you use? You know what? Yes. When I made it the second time, I used only the large-leafed sweet basil because I didn't want to get any of the more heavier licorice basils in there. And there are some that are very heavy licorice flavor, more and more of that flavor profile. And so those are the kinds of conversations that come up at this 
amazing lunches. And we're doing the next one on December the 30th. And my mom will have her whole area just beautifully decorated with Christmas stuff. By December 30th, we will have a lot of beautiful produce. So if you're looking to get yourself a seat at the table, DM me right away and let me know because it's going to sell out quick. We had the garage sale. Seven years later. (laughs) I was so not looking forward to all of that. And we had a secret ingredient in your mom. Of course. My mom's good at that stuff, man. She's an estate sale attendee. And I think that she was eager to kind of put all of the things that she's learned as a customer into play. Well, and we used to do garage sales a lot, a lot. Before I met you, I did a garage sale at least once a year. Sometimes I did a garage sale twice a year. I knew the rules about when I could do garage sales. That's how often I did garage sales. So you mentioned we lived in the house seven years and we talked about how we got movers to bring everything that we knew that we wanted out here. So for about a month, we've been here, maybe a couple little cluttery spots, but now that the garage sale is over... Mm-hmm. And we found so much more stuff that we don't want to get rid of. Right. And we're bringing that over now. Yep. It feels like we've moved into the house really for yeah, the first time Yeah, there's actually boxes now. around now. And we never, we didn't really have boxes just sitting around the first go. Nuh-uh. Now, as we're moving stuff around, I'm figuring out we have plenty of space for everything. We just have to keep adjusting. And then there's still stuff as we go through it. It'll go through another coal and some I'll be like, no, this is not, no, we're not keeping that. That's going to happen again. But this time it's going away, away. Well, you ran uh, lead on We're not holding on to garage sale stuff anymore. You ran lead (laughs) on the garage sale. So you had put together a Friday and a Saturday event. Yep. The garage had items, but most of the items were inside the empty house. Yes. Table set out, all of the stuff. Yep. I found an article, the six types of people that you meet at every yard sale. Mm -hmm. And I know that you met some of these people Uh inside where you were Uh and that I met some of these people outside where I was. I was in charge of the garage. You and your mom were inside. Yeah. And by the way, the garage was the best gig. Yeah, yeah. Because most of the stuff was inside. So after they glanced at the garage, they'd go inside and I just kind of sat in a chair until the chair was sold out from underneath me. (laughs) Number one, the early bird. We had the early birds on Friday yeah, more than Saturday. Yeah, not really. We were, we really didn't have any real early birds. We were set time. for eight. We had people there at seven fifteen who we eventually had to let in at seven thirty just because they were yeah, bothering yeah, me yeah. outside. Okay, maybe. These are the people who will be creeping and tiptoeing around your yard way before the sale starts. If your sale starts at eight, these early birds will do the slow drive past your driveway at yeah. six thirty in the morning. Yeah. They're looking for first dibs on the good stuff. Yep. Okay, did you come across this one? The haggler. Of course. There are some people who go to yard sales strictly to haggle. Haggling is part of their everyday life and they get a thrill out of it. Be prepared to negotiate on each and every item this person purchases because they want to feel like they're getting a deal. Oh, yeah. There was definitely some hagglers. I think that maybe we weren't fun to haggle with necessarily, and I'll tell you why. Not because I'm not willing to haggle, but because this was my answer to most haggles. If I know that I can sell that thing at a price... And I'm good at this. We're good at this. We know these things. If I know what I can sell it at, and not only that, but I know I can sell it online, my mom took something that didn't sell because she held it at the price that she had it at at the garage sale and put it online right after the garage sale and put it in the mail the next day. Gone. Gone. The whole garage selling world has completely changed. So the haggler would say, can I get it to you from this? And I'd be like, maybe tomorrow. And I got to the point where I would look at them and I would be like, 
I don't care if you have the cash in the hand. There's someone online that has a Venmo right now that can send me the same cash for the exact same thing and they'll give me the price I asked for of it. Or the other answer is, uh, yeah, just please take it away. Whatever you want to pay, just take it away. There are two, <laughs> two stories of note. We were selling a PA box that you can yes, Bluetooth into and you could, there's a microphone, you could, you know, it's like a PA. Yeah. That was one of the things that people wanted to haggle me down on, man. And you had set it at $35. Yep. And this man. 20 bucks. 20 bucks. He had the $20 bill in his hand. Yeah. And he, he was a haggler. Yeah. Because he came back for some other stuff. Then he came outside of the garage where I was. And I did not know that this had been going on. Uh-huh. And he goes, hey, there's a PA system inside. And the women. <laughs> and I offered the women $22 and they won't take it. Uh, No. Then he leaves. Mm-hmm. Then he comes back. Uh-huh. Let's just make a deal at the twenty-six. The, uh-huh. Like one dollar is the well. The best part was point. that he came back again, and I go, "It's gone, and it's sold for thirty-five dollars." Yeah. And then he picks up like a box, and he goes, "Can I get this for four dollars?" And I'm like, "Yes, you can have that for four dollars." Is what I'm saying. We weren't fun to haggle with because it's either like, "Yeah, I don't care. You can have that for uh, take. Just walk away with it." I did. Or or, no, dude, I know how much that's worth. I can sell it online in 30 seconds. You're just making it easier for me because you carry it off right now. I did a few of those where I just like, gave it away. Like, yeah, just take it. The second haggler was this guy who was looking at a pint glass. Uh-huh. And we had it for a dollar. And he looked at it. He picked it up. I wish people could see me. He picked it up. He looked at the bottom. He looked inside. It's a pint glass. There's nothing. It's not special. It's not defective. It's... <laughs> Looked at it, looked through it up to the light. <laughs> I'll give you 50 cents. And I thought to myself, only if it gets you out of my life immediately. <laughs> right, exactly. This is not some fancy estate sale even. This is just a garage. We're just moving. This is a moving sale. Next up, the creepers. The creepers are a little bit different than the early birds in that they don't come early, but they do perform the slow drive by of your house, quickly gauging whether they should stop the car or continue on. Oh, yeah. We absolutely had creepers because I was like, we got to fix this out front situation. People are creeping by. They think we don't got anything out here. This was the most fun part of being outside. The responsibility that I took on to get creepers to stop and come inside. Yeah, we need you to come inside. So the first (laughs) thing I needed to do was to arrange the items in the garage out Uh on the driveway so that they could see that there was some stuff. We had a whole marketing technique going on, Oh, and it shifted and it changed. (laughs) It totally did. Oh, yeah, you have to shift and change. So the bikes and the toolboxes and all the big things were like arranged in a way that, yes, there is stuff. Mm -hmm. Then there was no indication that there was anything going on inside. And if this is all that there is, is in the garage, I need people to know that the, no, no, the good stuff's inside. Yeah. So one of the things that we had for sale out of our past art area was just a stack of construction paper. So I got a big fat Sharpie and I started drawing arrows and I taped them up all over the trees and the house (laughs) toward the front door. And I'm telling you, I converted them from creepers to attendees. He was out there for a while, like spinning his oar until somebody bought his oar. Yeah. Now he's up a paddle with no creek. What? <laughs> up a creek with no paddle. <laughs> and then you got the flippers. These are people that know exactly what they're looking for and can quickly figure out if you've got the stuff they need in a matter of minutes. Oh, yeah. They're they looking swoop. for deals, antiques, collectibles that they can quickly turn around and sell at a profit either at their own yep. shop or like on eBay or yep. whatever. Yep. At one point, maybe this qualifies, there were at least seven antique thrift store shop dealers in our garage in a conference. 
about this new flea market that had opened up over here? And did you go? Did you oh, hear yeah, about they the all estate look. sale? Yeah, no, they all walk through and look and, and look at stuff. But they were but, all there at the there same time. Any... I'm sure they were following each other sure. around. And that's well, the, the thing, guy that bought like... all that furniture. Yeah, he was a dealer. You're certain? Yes, because he joined this convention. Mm, I'm none of those. So far, I haven't been listed. Okay, we had the guy that came in and said, "Do you have any records?" He was looking for records. But that's just because people are... That's not necessarily the no, flippers. No, he was flipping records. And then I had many people come up to me at the garage and say, do you have any tools, electronics, yeah. guns? Yeah. I don't know if it's... Is it legal to sell a gun at a, a garage sale? I, I don't... Private sale? I don't know, I don't the, I don't know so. those rules. I don't think so, but I, I don't know. But clearly those are folks that were looking for those items to resell them. Yeah. But then sometimes people are just like, they have specific things they look for. Like, that's how I am. Garden tools. You know, certain sizes of clothes. I ask I ask things like that. The inspector. These people will find something wrong with just about everything oh, you've yeah. laid out, and they won't have a problem telling you about it either. Oh, yeah. They love to complain, and unfortunately, you today are going to get the brunt of their criticism. You know what? There was a guy. There was a guy that came through real, like, duh, 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 up and down, walking the stairs, look at, but he was also one of those, like, inspectors. Oh, no, no, this is, oh, you can't use it, blah, 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 blah. And then last call shoppers. These are the type of people that will roll into the sale 10 minutes before closing time to try to snag some very or deeply discounted stuff. Yeah, there was that. We didn't have a closing time. We just closed up when we felt like it. One thing that Garage Detail did for me was I got to clean the garage. I got to watch it clean itself, really. Mm -hmm. But I had a simple broom, the broom that we used at that house. Mm -hmm. And I was sweeping the garage out as something would get uncovered. Six people wanted to buy that broom. <laughs> I couldn't sell it. I needed it. Yeah. There were folks that were looking through the windows into the backyard that were looking <laughs> through boxes that I didn't intend on them to, to buy anything. There's got to be something you. here that I can buy. <laughs> I told you they would do that. I told you they would. Then the day after the garage sale, the hot water heater broke. Uh, yeah. Thank God we had some and garage sale cash Garage flow. sale cash helped us pay for our water heater. <laughs> yeah. It's the circle of life. It's never ending right now, you guys. I mean, and that's a part of the moving part of it. And that, you know, la 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 moving. And now here we moved. And oh my God, there's still so much moving to do when you, even after you've moved. Well, recording this on Wednesday, the garage sale was last Friday. In two days, we will be done with that house. Thank God. Thank God. <laughs> The day after the garage sale, I took you out on date night. And we sat at a new sushi bar. For our neighboring town, Portland, there are two sushi places. One of them is the place we've already gone, right? Mm-hmm. Where um, the Jason Momoa statue is. Right. Oishi Sushi. O-Y-S-H-I. Oishi? Uh-huh. Oishi Sushi. That's where we landed. He said that means delicious sushi. And it's right next to the movie theater. And the first thing that happens as we walk in the door is that the host, this big, tall, very handsome young man, mm -hmm. I say, hi, Drew, because he grew up with my son. And he's like, oh, I said, Aislinn Campbell, Cortland's mom? Yes. So then he asked us if we want to sit at the bar. And we're like, yeah, absolutely. We love sitting at the bar. The at sushi the sushi bar. bar, yeah. So, of course, I'm going to the, I'm Aislinn Campbell going to the sushi bar. And I'm going to ask every question. But I think we learned... That Jason wanted to kind of hear the questions and get involved. Yeah, I just in asked him, when did you receive fish last? You liked the answer. I just liked that eventually we were we were able to get into the conversation. 
He's new ownership is my understanding of yeah. this. And am I also, my understanding of it is that he's a new owner. Like this is the first restaurant he's owned and run and done this way himself. Then he needed to make sure that I understood that the quality of fish that he buys has to do with what the customers are willing to pay for. But he basically just said, um, my customers don't really ask for, they yeah. don't, my customers don't care. You're not you know, going to find Toro here <laughs> yeah. often. Because the customers don't want to pay the price for that quality of fish. Right. And I, I loved that honesty. Yeah. And we got to get to the point where I could say, okay, well, here's the thing. Because it's going to benefit me, because you're going to be my sushi bar, Jason. And I said, Jason, I'm counting on you to serve me really fresh, delicious sushi because I love to eat fresh, delicious sushi. And I want the best, freshest, most delicious fish. <laughs> I've said that 12 times, but let's be clear. What can I do to help you be successful? How can I make sure that you can afford to buy the good fish because you know it's going to be sold when you come to sell it? That is making sure that people know when you have your freshest fish available. What nights do you receive fish? That's why that's the most important first question. I would when suggest... did you receive fish means I'm going to order differently. Because if you received your fish on Tuesday and it's Friday or Saturday, it was Saturday. I don't want it. Well, maybe I'm just going to eat a different, like, I'm going to eat more seared tuna wrapped in a bunch of other, like, sushi roll stuff. It's still okay, but I'm not going to eat, like, sashimi-grade five-day-old fish. What was the answer? (laughs) Well, the first answer to the question was to make sure that I know what day and I know what you're willing to buy. But then the other part of the question that he, we got into kind of a fun conversation about, and I don't know whether it'll ever win or how it will happen, and it probably will happen. I mentioned that I would talk about it on the podcast for sure. You know, we put on food events. We know people that are willing to pay price, high prices for good food. He said, you know what I would love to do based on this conversation of getting the highest quality of fish down here? What I'd like to do is a kamikaze night. And uh-huh. I'm like, what's a kamikaze night? And he goes, it's the best fish, whatever I want to serve, however one I want to serve. But it's like really a high price per plate kind of situation. And I was like, well, that's what we want. What, what I want is the best quality of fish. That's what I want. I want to walk in and I want to go, serve me your good stuff. Serve me. It made the freshest, the best way that you want to. That might be Toro, that might be scallop, all different kinds of things. Part of the conversation we had about it even that night is even when you're getting the freshest fish or you're getting fresh deliveries, that doesn't mean you're buying the highest quality fish, which means it's the most delicious fish or the highest of quality, a variety of flavorful fish. That's a part of the conversation too. Like I want to know that you got the good fish today and that you know you've got a customer base that comes in every Saturday night or every Friday night or whatever, you know, because that crowd knows. And part of getting the word out in those types of situations is making sure the people in that community know where they can get the highest quality sushi because that community, it's the community I grew up in, right? But that community is big enough now and wealthy enough now that they can support a good sushi bar. But I I get the impression with the city, Portland, Texas, and tell me if I'm wrong, but the type of restaurant that exists and thrives is largely chain-based. 
Yeah, but that has to do with the city developers. That has to do with city leadership and what types of restaurants they're making it easy on to get into the locations. And so if you have to spend so much but that's such a short-sighted notion because you're not creating a dynamic city just because you've got a you and I Chili's have been having these same I understand arguments. that but do the leaders of Portland understand that they're creating a cookie cutter city rather than saying rather than making it really easy for local flavor and locally owned restaurants to begin to dominate the area I don't know and I got to be honest with you I don't care like I'm not interested in that fight anymore No not a fight but what just I'm do they know in it's doing, a yes no question What I'm interested in doing is finding the sushi bar in town and making sure that when you all go there the it's exceptional I know okay know so that it can be as exceptional as it can be so that I don't have to drive across the bridge and I know, because I am one of those people that can see the future, I, there's no other way to say it. I've been trying to say primitive, no, I can see the future. It doesn't look like a picture on a movie screen, but I can tell you that this area where I live right now needs a good quality sushi bar in it because there's money here. And there's more money coming. And all that needs to happen is the people that have the money need to know that the good food is and where it is and how to go get it. And they will show up. So once we all got to know each other, me, you, and Jason, we're like, feed us, preferably sashimi. Yeah. And he put together a beautiful plate. He did a sashimi plate and, and then I, he made us a roll too. Yeah. And as he was preparing it, he was, do you, do you mind seaweed? No, mm -hmm. no, no. Do you mind octopus? No, 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 no. And he was putting some garnishes on the side and it was delivered to us in this beautiful package. And then we said, we probably want something else. He said, how do you feel about rolls? We love rolls. We don't want crab with a K. Yeah. And, and we're probably going to avoid eel tonight. Oh, and anything with gluten I can't do. Right. So you can't do tempura fried or anything like that. And and I think that even, if, even as I look at that plate of food, the sashimi, and as I look at the sushi roll, I still think he was still working with what he had. So it was fun to get to like have the, I had a fun time at that sushi bar. I'm looking forward to going back there. I'm looking forward to encouraging other people to go there and to bring friends and go eat Oishi Sushi with Jason. Well, hey, while we're in this intellectual vibe, why don't you kick over a question that we can deep dive into? We are smack dab in the middle in a series of film-related questions that are designed to define your life. Go back a few episodes and hear these questions and answers. Today's question, what's the film that means the most to you? Why am I so... Why do I have such a hard time with these questions? Because you have decided that you have a hard time with these questions? I guess so. I'll give you mine. Okay. It is The Godfather. It means the most to me because I have shared that movie with so many people that I love, usually with food, and I could watch it over and over and over again. But that's boring. So I'm also going to say Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Yeah, you've said that before. It's a movie I've seen twice. I watched it once in the theater, and then I bought a ticket for two showings later to watch it again. I bought it on DVD. I don't have any of my DVDs anymore. They were all sold. But it was still wrapped in plastic when I sold it because I didn't have the courage to watch it again. It affected me so deeply. It is time for me to get over that and watch that movie again. Okay. The movie that means lot... the most to you. The movie that means the most to me. Okay, it's a toss-up. I've got two. 
Urban Cowboy. Oh, okay. And Dazed and Confused. Tell us more. Well, Bud and Sissy are my mom and dad. <laughs> they totally are. I mean, like, if you knew all the things, the timing, the marriage, the bull riding, the all of it, that's my mom and the dad. honky tonks? All of it. All of it. Electric bulls? No, my dad rode real bulls. Oh, okay. Real bulls. <laughs> no, he was no rhinestone he, cowboy? No, he was a real cowboy. Was he there when the like devil a, went down to Georgia? My dad's um, handle on his CB was saltwater cowboy. Oh, how funny. Isn't that great? That's fantastic. I love my dad. Um, yeah, my dad rode bulls, and my mom and dad rodeoed. And So I can um, see why that, that movie would mean a lot to them. It just means a lot to you because you identify it with your parents so yeah. much. Yeah, totally. We watched like, it together a year and a half ago, I love maybe. that movie so much. Every time I watch it, I love it's that It's got movie. an amazing soundtrack. Yes, it does. And it was one of the stepping stones for country music becoming more mainstream. Because Urban Cowboy was a huge hit and a huge seller of the soundtrack, even for people that never maybe bought country music prior to that. Yeah, I love that movie. And then Dazed and Confused is just like... it. If I had to pick favorite, if I really had to pick my favorite movie, it's probably Dazed and Confused because I love that movie so much. I love the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I love, and even though that movie was like seniors in high school in 1979 and I was born in 1978, there's something about that movie that makes me feel like that was actually my high school experience. Like I feel closer to that than a lot of other things, even though I was a 90s kid. That was that was where I was inside my head. Yeah. I was dazed and confused. And I... Listen, I liked Matthew McConaughey before Matthew McConaughey was cool. Because Wooderson. we watched... I was in love with Wooderson. And I would tell everybody. And everybody was like, you're crazy. It's... What the was the other guy's... The other guy's name that everybody thought. Oh, the, the Jason quarterback. London? The quarterback was the guy that yeah. I was so cute. Ben no, no, Affleck no. was in that movie. Ben Affleck. All no, kinds no, of names. Ben Affleck all was names. a... No, Ben Affleck no, he wasn't, wasn't cool sexy in that he was movie. a bully. He was a jackass. Yeah, but no. But O'Banion. I was in love with Jason Wooderson. London was the character. Pink. I will... Ne- yes, Pinkerton. I will never, ever, ever forget the scene in the movie where they're walking to the Hurricane song. Here comes the story of Harry King. And they're walking through the pinball place, uh-huh. you know, and Matthew McConaughey's so cool. I love that movie. You got so a joint? Much. It'd, It'd be, be cool a lot cooler if you did. did. Uh. <laughs> Up a paddle with no creek. Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you.